0: Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. There's not a huge amount of notes on procedural stuff that I had accumulated for the fellowship exams, but I did collect some interesting bits on bronchoscopy, particularly because it was so novel to me as an emergency medicine trainee who really had no experience with bronchoscopy prior to starting my critical care fellowships. So after two years of frequent, if not almost daily use of the bronchoscope, I find it hard to see how I would manage in an intensive care unit without it. Now, when I say bronch, I want to be clear that I'm talking about the flexible, disposable pieces of gear, the respiratory people. People sometimes come along and laugh at us when they arrive with their big kind of fancy stacks and multi-thousand euro pieces of kit. Why might we need to do a bronch in the ICU? Well, I'm not sure there's a clear or a thought of this, but the following would be reasonable. Um, For a no- example, as an assistance to intubation, as a guide in percutaneous tracheostomy, uh, as a therapeutic device when you've got mucus plugging and hypoxia. And I think in general, in sudden refractory hypoxia without obvious cause, I often find putting the bronch down quickly answers a lot of questions about tube position and mucus plugging and bleeding a whole lot quicker than waiting for the chest x-ray. Bronco alveolar lavage is a core use for us. We all love to know what we're treating and especially in the hospital-acquired or immunocompromised patient it can be lovely to grow a bug though I don't want to suggest this is a particularly data-driven or very well-supported practice. Um, Airway bleeding. Okay, so you're going to need a for finding the bleeding, clearing it and even treating it. In general, we'll find ourselves almost always passing the bronch through some kind of device, be it trachea or ET tube. I have an occasion post tracheostomy spent some time kind of practicing getting the bronch through the cords in a sort of a poor man's fiber optic intubation, and damn, if it's not tricky. Credit should be due to the respiratory guys who, who do this all the time, and of course, your anesthetic colleagues who do this on an awake basis. Um, I find it really quite challenging, um, all, albeit um, certainly the respiratory folk will do it with much weller patients and much nicer and shinier equipment. But for us, it's going to be putting the bronch down the end of the tube of some kind, trachea or ET tube tube. what do we look for once we've passed the bronch in the large airways we should have a good look at the airways themselves is there a lot of suction trauma is there bronchomalacia especially in the slow um, tracheostomy winds Um, are there hyphae are there mushrooms growing in the airways suggestive of aspergillus we often forget to simply look at the walls as we chase down into the lobes to get our sample once it comes to the process of the bowel itself, then I realise I'm often a little shy and cautious when it comes to my installations of saline. When I went and read up on this, it turns out that typically recommended volumes for installation of saline are more like 100ml rather than the poultry 20-40ml to 40 mils I was using when I first started. A lot of what I, and I suspect many of you have been doing, is perhaps better classified as bronchial washings rather than true bronchial alveolar lavage. Um, also important, once you stick the line in, is to give it a decent amount of time to wash um, all the way down to the alveoli. So you're talking maybe 30 seconds, up to 60 seconds before aspirating. In terms of our target of what we're aiming for in BAL, typically aim for the segment that's going to look worst on imaging. And if it's all awful, as it typically is, and there's no focal, then commonly recommendations would be to sample the right middle lobe and the lingula in the left lung. In some of the reading, there was some discussion on wedging the bronch, which is not the infantile practice of pulling someone's underwear up really high when they're not suspecting it. Instead, bronchoscopic wedging involves getting the tip of the bronch into a segment far enough where there is partial airway collapse, though not complete on suction. So if it doesn't collapse at all, you're probably too proximal. If it collapses completely, then you'll likely not get a good aspirin. Once you've got your samples then the quandary you face next is what to test it for. This will likely depend on the situation but you have a variety of options really available to you things like routine culture um, seems like a sensible thing to do cytology so in particular you can look for if you're worried about adaptomycin induced pneumonitis eosinophils if you're worried about CMV or HSV you can get inclusion bodies um, on cytology with that a galactomannan on a bowel sample is more useful and more specific and um, for aspergillus than a serum sample is PJP PCR which is very sensitive but not specific um, and things like silver staining as well can be useful for um, PJP CMV reactivation is another common concern to critically ill and we often look for viral loads and things like that from CMV. Bronx are not without their potential complications and can be summarised as following, so bleeding would be an obvious one if you poke something and it starts bleeding, but also barotrauma, Uh, and this may be related to things like pneumothoraces, may be related to the sudden and extreme pressure changes from being on positive pressure one moment and the next thing the large airways are finding themselves attached to wall suction the next. The vent setting, its vent settings itself will also change things. That if you really ask the vent to deliver four hundred mils, while the airways are largely occluded with a plastic bronch, then you can expect certainly airway pressures to be very high as well. So there are various kind of nuances to how you set the vent during the bronch. So in terms of uh, references, the up-to-date article here I found was very useful in this, but you will need, of course, access to go read it. Um, Life and the Fast Day, as expected, covers these uh, things well. There is a nice simulator online um, for doing bronx and practicing, but it needs Flash, and it seems that Flash has not graduated into the pandemic era, um, so it's actually really quite hard to run at this stage. Finally, there's a nice and brief anatomy review um, that is worth reviewing on a regular basis. um, as a YouTube video, it's about five minutes, um, and it's nice so you actually have some idea where the hell you are in the lungs at any given time.